0: It's Tuesday, 30th of July, and in Newcastle, England, there's a brand new improv festival underway this week, trying something new in a city where the improv scene's grown tremendously in the last few years. Earlier this month, in a different continent, it was the 11th Sarasota Improv Festival. More and more improv communities are taking the plunge and celebrating by having their own improv festival. But what makes an improv festival work? Is it possible to define what it could be or should be? And how have improv festivals changed in the past couple of decades? United Express would like to welcome you to Sarasota. The local time is approximately 11:56. Hello, friends. Hi.
2: There's like three like, warm-up rooms for the call time.
0: Stacey Smith so is a you. teacher and performer at IO and Comedy Sports in Chicago. As well as helping to run improv festivals in Chicago, she's a regular performer at the Sarasota Improv Festival in Florida, which is a special festival to her.
2: Sarasota, I think, is a unique festival that actually is very different than a lot of the other festivals in the United States in that they have certain groups come back every single year. There's, like about six or seven of us. The available cup holders, Stacked, Dad's Garage, Comedy Lab... Uh, Those are the ones that have been there usually like at least almost all of the years. And then they rotate in a really special headliner and then have maybe two or three new groups throughout every year. So it is a very big reunion. It's what I would call like a boutique festival that they have a small amount of groups every year rather than growing. They kind of stay the same. They did have one big year last year for the 10th anniversary. But they do keep it quite small, which is nice because they really take care of the performers quite well.
0: So has there been an evolution through those eight years, apart from like the, the swapping out of the occasional team to add in new ones?
2: I think because it is a lot of the same groups. Um, each group will come with maybe a new form or a new twist on what they normally do so that it's something new and exciting. There's also been an evolution because they've added space since... Then they've grown in size in terms of the theater buildings that they've been able to accommodate data in. And so I would say that the audiences kind of stay the same because these are theater-going audiences. They're what I would call improv muggles because we're wizards and they're muggles. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot of muggles, a lot of non improviser audiences, which is sometimes uncommon at a lot of these festivals.
0: I spoke to Will Wehrer, Artistic Director of Sarasota Improv Festival. It was the evening after the festival had finished, and we talked over how the festival had gone while taking a walk on one of Sarasota's incredible beaches. Oh, wow, that beach is fantastic.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's one of my favourites. Often, many Sundays, you'll you'll find us there, just like today. Oh. <laughs> so...
0: The festival's finished. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been for a walk down the beach, (laughs) which is incredible. Um, Like the 11th year now, um, how does this compare to previous
3: festivals? You know, I've been telling folks that uh, the 10th year, last year, was just such an amazing blow-up, bringing so many of our favorite groups from the uh, first decade uh, that I I really thought that it was going to be very difficult to to top that. And so I initially started this, uh, this festival by... my initial strategy was a more simplified approach fewer teams fewer shows Uh, but before I knew it like the uh, as it started to come together and the groups I was reaching out to I suddenly started to see that I I I had a festival that felt and looked different from previous years but I do feel that the collection of talent the way it complemented each other I, I, I believe probably surpassed Uh, our previous ten and and is I think it's a great way to start the second decade of the festival I I really enjoyed this year's festival. How have improv
0: festivals evolved over the years? Bill Arnett runs Chicago Improv Studio and he's been going to festivals for over two decades but he's taking a year off in
4: 2019. The early festivals were before the internet was really the internet, so you couldn't, the only way to see other improv teams was to go to these festivals. So you're meeting people who are doing very different things than you are. You're meeting people that maybe are doing similar things and you're excited to meet someone who's doing something similar. Uh, workshops with people that you, you never would have guessed you would get a chance to work with. Uh, no one had written books, no one had uh, anything online. No one had friends who had been back and told you about it. It was, uh, everything you did at the festival was, felt new. So how about the
0: audiences for these festivals? I know in the past, when I've attended the Del Close Marathon, for example, at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre in New York, the audiences have been almost exclusively improvisers. It felt like we were celebrating the art form together. However, the difference I saw in Sarasota was that it was a group of people almost acting as evangelists for the art form through doing great work in front of regular members of the public. Stacey Smith again
2: that there are certain festivals in some of the bigger cities like Chicago, LA and New York that people would attend the festival as improvisers even if they haven't had a group in the festival like DCM I've known people to go to DCM that were not involved in DCM just to take a trip to New York for the weekend to see all of the groups and I think the same was for Chicago Improv Festival when it existed this is the first year that we don't have it um It just stopped after over, maybe over 25 years. It was one of the longer running ones, but it got so big that it just was different from when it was conceived. It changed the most of any festival that I've been a part of, both on the performing end and on the management side. And so, yeah, you'll see that a lot of the ones within the United States, like groups will go just to see other groups because they'll be able to take workshops from instructors that they don't get in their smaller communities, etc. So it's very interesting how different a lot of them are.
0: So you touched on the management side there like you've run and do run festivals as well yourself as well as being a, like an attendee and a teacher of festivals.
2: Yeah, I run the Chicago Musical Improv Festival and I used to work on Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival, the Chicago Women's Funny Festival the Chicago Improv Festival, and the Teen Comedy Festival.
0: What is the biggest change you've seen in festivals over the period of time that you've been involved in running them?
2: I think the diversity of groups. I think the one thing that I've learned on the management side is that marketing is very important for a successful festival. So how can I attract the audiences with something that is... Unique and different and something that they're not going to normally see, so like in terms of curating the musical improv festival, not only diversity of groups of like I have a rock opera, I have a puppet musical, I have a co- improvised concert, so that diversity, but also diversity in terms of 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 race and color that's something that I didn't see a lot when I first started going to festivals that now. All of the festival teams in the United States are really looking for. So it will be like a question on many festival um, applications now that groups w- that show more diversity within their teams have a better of chance getting in otherwise.
0: So what made people in the Newcastle improv community in the UK decide that this year was the year to set up an improv festival? I called Bev Fox, a founder member of The Suggestibles, a group who have been going for 15 years this year. Hello? Hello, is that Bev? It
1: is Bev, yeah, hiya.
0: Hello, Bev, it's Lloydie here from... Hi,
1: Lloydie. Uh,
0: so, um, what was it that after 15 years you, uh, you decided, we need a festival in Newcastle?
1: Oh, you know, it's probably... Um, we do like a glass of wine every now and then, so it was probably drinking a little bit too much of that one night and actually making a few decisions under the influence, I would imagine, Uh it's been about a year where we've been talking about it uh, it's been one of our dreams for a long time to put on something big around improv we've put little mini little three day things on before you know in the past we've maybe taken over our home venue for three days and put stuff on but this year we sort of wanted to make a, a big sort of splash on it and the improv scene has really grown in Newcastle in the last three four years uh, in particular do you know what I mean it's grown because we teach loads of workshops and stuff as well so that's really driven the community to see to be larger. Um, and then we're also involved in other areas of the arts. So we know loads of people from what we say are like maybe more crossover stuff, you know, people who do choirs, people, hip hoppers, uh, laughter yoga therapists, things like that, where we see there's a crossover in those things. So it's not just pure improv as in our improv world might think of the improv comedy and, or improv theatre. There's, there's a little bit more going on than that.
0: What makes an improv festival stand out? Will Louera of Sarasota Improv Festival.
3: Uh, speaking for the way I've started to produce festivals and the festivals that now I prefer, I've been very influenced by what I'll just sort of I'll throw out a blanket statement and just say the European model. Where I've uh, many of the festivals I've done in Europe have been in these very well curated collection of groups with some uh, almost like all-star shows thrown in. Right. Or, you know, I've seen some festivals that have what they call like a main stage or festival ensemble. Uh, And, you know, instead of trying to get, I think the American model for many years was let's get as many groups on stage uh, on as many stages as possible within a limited amount of time. And that was fun. And I totally lived in that energy for a while. But I think now we're looking at, uh, at least producers like myself, are looking to put together a well curated uh, a well-curated festival, something that everyone enjoys, not only improvisers, but the general public as well. And uh, festivals like ours, like the one in Detroit, like the Stumptown Improv Festival in Portland, Oregon, are all, uh, they, when you go, you could tell that somebody put a lot of thought and care into putting together a complete, uh, a completely entertainment, entertaining weekend. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do here with our festival.
0: And you mention uh, the general public. And what's interesting about this festival above any I've certainly ever been to is what, 90% of the people who are sitting there watching the shows, they aren't improvisers. Mm-hmm. These are members of the general public in a city that is, what, 60,000 people, something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. You have
3: an incredible audience for improv here in mm-hmm. Sarasota. Yeah, we have a, uh, a very... Uh, well-educated audience, uh, and by that I mean like just cultured and have gone to a lot of shows, know know how to appreciate different types of entertainment and different types of theater, uh, and a very diverse audience, and uh, you know in all aspects. And so, uh, living moving to Sarasota, I've 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 grown as a performer. Actually, I've only been here for five years, but now moving from uh, essentially being trained to entertain other improvisers now. You know, I'm, I'm learning how to entertain the general public, and that has really made me, in, in my opinion, uh, a, better, uh, a better improviser. And I think that's something that's very unique about this city. Uh, and every time I, and I'll say that, it's probably one of the things that, uh, not probably, it is the, uh, the thing that attracted me to move here when the job opened up. Uh, when I first started to come here, and I've been here since the first Sarasota Improv Festival, I'll never forget that first show where I was getting laughs, not for like that cool little improv move I did, that little uh, neat little pivot edit I did, the timing of a certain sweep. It was all about like the the authenticity and honesty of my character and my relationship. And that's when I started to appreciate the Sarasota uh, audience. And that's what uh, that's the reason why I wanted to move here and continue to work with them. Newcastle Improv Festival is underway.
0: So what are they trying to achieve through their new festival this week? Bev Fox
1: really make improvisation relevant in the Northeast as an art form. To really, really get it out there by doing a big splash and going, right, here it is. If you've not seen Improv before, come and see this. Come and try it out. Come and feel it. To uh, Newcastle is, is quite for, far up, you know, the country of the UK. For anybody li- is listening abroad or whatever, we're nearest Scotland, so we're quite disconnected from the south down there. So we wanted to bring people up that we knew from the south and really put sort of the northeast on the map because there's really fantastic stuff happening here.
0: Now, I've been to Newcastle a number of times. In fact, I've performed mm. improv at the uh Theatre, yeah.
1: where the f- festival hub's going to be.
0: Yeah, um, which is a fantastic space, by the way.
1: Yeah, it is lovely. Um, that was another reason for doing it, because it's the right space at the right time as well, because Alphabeti's only been open there about 18 months. Yeah. So that... it was like we've actually got the right you know, venue. Although we are playing at five different venues, that's in the right part of town, and it's just got the right vibe to it.
0: How would you categorise the kind of audience that you're targeting at this time?
1: we're sort of hitting two pronged really because the suggestibles yeah we're sort of what i'd say in in that way commercial in that way and that our audience are members of the public so um, Suggestibles as a comedy group, um, we perform you know, regularly to, to sort of real audience members rather than improvisers, as it were. But then because of our workshops that we do, then we also have that sort of um, big group of people who want to do improv, who want to perform improv. So we have other shows that are more focused for improvisers as well. So we're sort of hitting both those audiences. So we really, really want to bring real members of the public and children. We're targeting children a lot on this show, lots of young people. Um, but also we want to make sure that there's plenty there for the improv community to enjoy as well with masterclasses and their own take-part performances. So it's it's about split down the middle for us, I would say.
0: It sounds like Newcastle Improv Festival is going to be an incredible week of shows and workshops. Back to Bill Arnett at Chicago Improv Studio. Given his two decades of attending improv festivals, what does he think are the perfect ingredients to make one?
4: You know, the festivals that I have preferred in the past are ones where a festival-goer feels... Uh, welcome, and by that I mean that they can see a lot of shows for either free or for for not much money. That uh, has organized after show activities, maybe even organized during the day activities. Uh, it, it's very easy at these larger festivals to just you arrive and go straight to your hotel, you go straight to your shows, and you go back to the hotel. Uh, and and the fun festivals, especially the ones back in <laughs> back in the '90s, did a very good job of getting all the performers opportunities to meet each other, to chat with each other, and just socialize and and uh, when you run you know, 100 shows back to back to back, you don't get a chance to really meet and chat with the other improvisers. So how much of that do you think is essential to a festival? How much of that
0: is the, the business of the festival um, as well as the improv?
4: Um, well, I, <laughs> it depends on what you, what you want to do with your festival, I guess. I mean, for those early festivals, that was the festival. The shows were kind of an icing on the cake, kind of an opportunity to, to show other people what you were doing. But you already met the people and worked with them and and, and enjoyed their presence. Um, you know, today going to festivals that that are how many shows can we cram in, in into <laughs> into two nights? Um, don't really feel like there's much community. It, it, you just kind of do your show and maybe you see the show before or afterwards. And and uh, I don't know. That, that's all it is. <laughs>
0: The thing that struck me about the conversations I had with all the people who've been involved in organising or participating in improv festivals is that these festivals have different aims. Some seek to develop community between improvisers and build connections between communities. Others seek to educate local audiences about what improv is and bring the best of the art form to them. Many do both to some extent or another. As improv as an art form develops, these festivals are clearly evolving, but not in a singular way. Each is finding its own space, both in its locality and in the global improv community as a whole. Personally, I find that encouraging. It means each festival will have its own character and the experience of going to a festival will be continually different and surprising rather than homogenised and standardised. For me... That's a really exciting prospect as festivals continue to spring up around the world. Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. It's the largest open access arts festival in the world. The Edinburgh Fringe begins in a few days, and every year the number of improv teams taking an artistic and financial gamble on Edinburgh grows. How can you survive as an improv team at Edinburgh? And what are the benefits of going to the Fringe when it's so notoriously difficult to cut through? The Improv Chronicle podcast is presented and produced by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. For the latest improv news, or to submit news from your improv theatre team or community, go to improvchronicle.com.